This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap as we get to the end of a very busy week at Apple's WWDC. We have Mark Aflalo with us to go through his perspective on the event. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. I know, yes, the uh, 9th of June. Uh, hi, everybody. Hi, Sean. How are you? Well done. Beautiful <laughs> intro as ever there, Stephen. <sighs> yeah, there's no way I forgot the uh, date no. today. Not no. at all. No, that didn't happen. Why are you still happen. excited? WWDC is still in your brain. I don't want to go away. I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> Marka Falalalalo's hey! here. Hey! Hey! Sorry, I'm emotional. It's just whenever I come on the show, I feel so nostalgic, and it's been so long. Oh, it's been too you. long. It's so nice to be back, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry. Let me just wipe the tears here. Okay, calm down. You know what they say? Mom, Absence makes so nice the heart be... grow fonder. I know, and I'm so fond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, look, we've come to the end of a very busy week for all of us because best for last. I love it. Yeah, well, absolutely. And this is a great chance for us to geek out properly, geek out on the hardware because look, we've talked about all the different perspectives, <laughs> the important perspectives that come from you know this for for us as disabled people. But I want to geek out a bit today on some of the hardware because honestly. This device is incredible. And, you know, I'm going to go back to some of the comments from earlier in the week as well, because there were some really interesting perspectives from our guests this week on how this can improve our, our lives, but also why they've gone down this route in terms of developing this kind of this kind of technology. I want to start there, because one of the comments we had from Colin Hughes yesterday, uh, which was really interesting, was talking about the decision that Apple clearly made to go down the route of building a Vision Pro headset that was very much in the VR-type headset realm, as opposed to something like the Ray-Ban Stories glasses from Facebook, Meta. Now, do you think, Mark, do you think that was a, a decision Apple made, or do you think that the hardware, the capability of the hardware dictated that? I, I think it was just limitations. I think that it's just too early in the development of all the sensors and all the technology they need to include to accomplish what they're trying to do here, to fit it into a regular pair of Ray-Ban glasses. The technology is just just not there yet to be able to give you two 4K quality screens on each eye, the spatial audio, the computing power, the battery, even if it's external. Um, to put that all into just a regular pair of frames, it's just, I think, physically impossible at this point in time. Yeah, you want the moon on a stick, Stephen. Of course Apple yes. would have gone for some Ray-Bans if they could. Um, that's the dream. That's the future. But no, as Mark said, the tech I don't, just I don't think it's there. a dream, Sean. I think it's, it's oh, definitely... Oh, don't pick me up on that, Mark. God, you've just come back and you're already picking me up on things. Unbelievable. Carry on. I think if they could have done that, <sighs> in, in, if, if that's what they could have done, then I think this would all just be completely augmented and extended reality. No VR per se, unless you maybe snap on some kind of blinders. But of course they would have released that because that's what the first and, and only vision of Apple Glass really has been. And I think that's the dream of everybody is basically that's the putting dream, on like your Tony Stark glasses and being able to communicate <laughs> and connect you with the Internet. But that's just not physically possible. Do you, have you, you want to talk about geeking out on hardware. I don't even know the numbers here because there's really no specs about this device. Apple's not released anything other than, you know, M2 chip. And then there's a reality chip. And we know there are speakers. We know there's battery. We know there's screens. That's wonderful. But. There are like, if, if I'm counting based on just the pictures here, okay, just on the outside alone, how many cameras and sensors? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. My drone has less sensors than this. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's got active cooling inside. It's got I mean, active cooling. It's got the speakers. It's got a, a giant curved screen on the outside. It's got two incredibly small pancake screens on the inside. Like, this is nuts in terms of the amount of technology packed into this package. Now, it's smaller. It's smaller when you sit it on a table side-by-side side to, a, you know, a Quest 2 uh, or, or any of the equivalents that are out there. It's definitely solid, smaller and svelte, but it's also heavier because it's made of metal, you know? 
and all the components and everything that go in there. Can you imagine if the battery was actually on the headset? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's an interesting can, can point, done. actually. Uh, I mean, uh, okay, I'll come back to that. But doesn't it make everything else just look absolutely prehistoric? I mean, you know, the Oculus, yes. the, the MetaQuest. It, it design-wise and design stylings, this is exactly if and if, if you think about some of the renders that came out prior to this event, they were pretty damn close. Because Apple's design cues are not really foreign anymore. People are very anybody with any kind of design aesthetic will is able to pick up and figure out what Apple might do. You know, they talk about the digital crown from the watch and everybody suspected there might be something like that on board. And it is. They talked about the Apple Watch bands kind of making their kind of imprint on the headset in terms of the strap. Definitely there. They talk about the materials on the AirPods, uh, the, the AirPods Max. You know, in terms of that nice meshy material that's really mm. comfortable and breathable, it's there. You know, you've got the rubber bands of the watch on the sides. Every device they've created has led up to this moment or has its DNA on this headset. But there are so many questions that remain unanswered. And I think that the the fact that it's not being released till next year and that nobody is able to photograph or video themselves using it says a lot without saying anything. Yeah, yeah, even Tim Cook wasn't pictured wearing it. And this Correct. was another thing they said that, you know, every product launch event, whether it's, you know, the envelope with the MacBook in it or, you know, when they put the, the iPod in his pocket and Steve Jobs' pocket, whatever it was, you know, and they bring the product out, they use it. This wasn't even touched, held, no, and, worn and at all. If this was Cook. a live keynote, I don't know if they would have released it this year. Mm. Because live keynotes, they love going hands on, getting developers on board. I mean, think about think about WWDC in that presentation. Okay, normally you'd have a game developer come on and talk about the benefits of it. You'd have everybody and every kind of consumer portion. The only person that came on stage is probably the only company that Apple can trust to keep a secret like this, which is Disney. Yeah, and I think. If you want to dig even deeper, Bob Iger, who's the CEO of Disney, earning CEO, he just came back about three, four months ago. If it wasn't him personally, I don't think Disney would have even been on stage. Mm. That's how close the relationship is on a personal level between Tim Cook and or Steve Jobs and, and Bob Iger and the people at Disney. Well, just just to just to go into how little detail. I mean, remember when the M1 came out? And they had that graph that everyone laughed at, the one with the, the basically just an arc that went up, but there was no, yeah, no labels, labels on the graph, no labels at all. <laughs> yeah, and thing. everyone said, oh, that, yeah, that, that says a lot, right? There wasn't even that. That wasn't even there. There was no, there was no silly graph, nothing. There's no information. Now, of course, we are a year out, and it's likely that if we look at, at the Apple Watch, what is it? was it 15 when the Apple Watch came out, 2015? And they said it would be early 2015. And it was the end of April. And it was the end of April. Yeah. So, you know... Yeah, that's probably where we're heading with this, I guess, as well. And then, of course, it's US only at launch. It will come oh, to I think other countries I think that'll later. Change. Yeah, I, I think, think that'll once change production it. gets going, right? Yeah, I think that I think once they really nail down the final design, and I think there's a, probably still a lot. Like every every device that we saw and that they had on show there is a prototype device. Yeah. I would not be surprised if the demo devices that people weren't allowed to touch that were just on display. We're literally a shell with a screen on the front. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can believe that. I could totally believe that. I'll, I want to ask about the battery now. Yes. How do you feel about that corded <laughs> battery thing? And also, I'm intrigued. Do you think it is only for power, or do you think there's a way? You know, maybe you could plug it in for external visuals, use it as a display. I would suspect that there's more than power that's capable to travel down that line. Whether that battery pack can do something external, I doubt it. But that doesn't mean the connector isn't able to do it in some kind of capacity. Like, you know, plug in USB-C into your computer and do other stuff with it. Yeah, well, I would well, not two be surprised. Things, two things on that, because one is that the actual battery pack does have a USB-C on it. But I guess Correct. that's to charge it. They're say, yeah, they're saying else. that you could, if you want to keep it all plugged in, mm. you plug USB-C into the wall, into the battery, and the battery into the headset. But there was also another image doing the rounds this week where it looked as if there was another 
dongle type device connected to the headset that was actually plugged into a Mac studio. So possibly that's an option, uh, but... I don't know. Being but... Apple, I don't believe it because Apple are so, you know, locking you in. Oh, you can airplay to it maybe, or that's it. I'm just thinking Well, they do love something... a dongle. I'm thinking of the home pods and things like that. <laughs> but um, I just wondered if that cord was, you know, it could be a possibility. Oh, I'm sure more than just you know what, Sean? There, you know what? Here's the unique opportunity they have with announcing a product this, this far in advance. They're listening to this. They're following the news. They have people out there who are, are, are taking every... Every word that comes out from reviewers, from consumers, from naysayers, from Apple fanboys, they're looking at all of it and wondering what people are saying. And they have the opportunity, based on the fact that they control their production line, to be able to do things to this headset and tweak it before it's actually commercially released. Yeah. What that stuff might be, who knows? But things like, you know, a a cable that's able to pass data through. Of course, why wouldn't it be? You know, I mean, these are data cables anyway that are able to pass power through. So yeah. it would be I mean, you have to be able to die. You know, do run diagnostics on it. Mm. Um, there, I'm sure that cable is more than capable of powering it. The fact that it's only two hours of battery life on a headset. Mm. When you think about the <laughs> fact that. That battery pack probably has the equivalent of what battery is in our at least our phones, if not our laptops. Right. I would think and so. that could run 15 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you can run a laptop for 15 hours a whole day, a battery, but you can't run a headset for longer than two hours on a charge. Well, hang on. That's, I'm slightly confused by that because the battery life in standalone. So I, I thought that was without being connected was two hours. And when it's connected to the battery, it was a lot longer. Is that no, not no, the no. case? It, ha- it has to be connected with the battery to get to run. To run at all. So to there's no all. battery on board. There's no battery on board. So there's gotcha. two hours of battery life with that battery pack. If you plug that battery pack in the wall, you can you can use it forever. Wow. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, right. that makes sense. Okay. Wow. Okay. Two hours. I know it's driving a lot there. I know there's, you know, two screens, but they're not big screens, right? They're still small screens. And there's the screen on the outside. There's the sensors and there's everything. This is really like, uh, I don't know. It's It's... It's I I wrote I wrote a piece the other day that was is this is this too late from Apple, or mm. is it too soon from Apple? <laughs> That's a good point. It's, it's a bit of both, isn't it? In some yeah, ways. because it's they're definitely late to the game in terms of what what you know VR and other people are doing out there. You think of the Meta Quest Pro, which gave you the ability to see through it and and do these virtual these landscapes and desktops and watch stuff, and it, it had a you know a battery on the back and all, all this stuff. But or is it too soon because the augmented reality portion, which is where we want to get to, we want to get to the Ray-Bans you just pop on your face or the prescription glasses you just pop on your face. And there are all the sensors on board and all this stuff that's going on. I mean, the only reason there's cameras on this device on the front, actual camera cameras, is so that you can see through the world, right? It's not about. Yes, you, you, the benefit is you can take pictures and you can take video and it's stereoscopic. So you can take 3D pictures, whatever. No one really cares about that. That never picked up. But that's why those cameras are there so you can see through it, right? Because they're not see-through glass. No, it's to display sandwiched so, together back to back, basically. Exactly. Everything on there, all these devices and sensors, while they say it's all revolutionary and great, it's there to solve a problem, right? If this yeah. is a regular pair of glasses that you could see through already and they can still overlay stuff on the screen, all you'd need is a la- LiDAR sensor. One LiDAR sensor in the middle and you're laughing. And you wonder why th- didn't they do that then? Why didn't they go down that route? Because to me, because that's it's just more not ready. Apple. The technology's not there. But even that on its own, no. I mean, could they not build that in with an external battery pack? I mean, that would be a regular, kind of like a regular pair of glasses you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So a pair of glasses, lidar sensor. Yeah, but it you probably know, just doesn't external... do enough yet. It probably just doesn't have enough. Pa- like you can't fit an M2 chip on there. You can't. There's just too much they want to do with it, and too much real time processing. You know, it would have to be some kind of te- in order to do it on a pair of glasses like that just a regular pair of glasses, it would have to be tethered to something that's really driving the, the, the processing power. Mm. It's just, you can't fit it. You can't fit an M2 chip on the on the arm of a pair of glasses. It's just not there yet. It's interesting you talk about VR because there was, uh, I read an interesting article this week about the, the sort of foray that Apple are making into VR. And, and essentially they're not making a foray into VR. That is part of it, but it's not really where they're heading. VR it's is more, like the added bonus. Like, oh, by, is, by yeah. the way, it also does this. 
But it's also it's, it's the mundane they're selling in some regards. It's the being able to do you know your work on your computer. It's being able to send a message, do FaceTime calls. It's the stuff that you might actually do with your phone every day inside the glasses. It's, it's maybe a smarter approach than VR, right? Because you're not, I mean, you think about VR, they're selling games experiences, they're selling, you know, driving or, you know, sitting in a a shark tank or whatever it is that you want to do in VR. That's what they're all selling. But what these guys are selling is the stuff you do with your phone. So it will essentially end up a phone replacement for some people. Maybe all of us in the end. Not that heavy on your head. I not, mean, not in the current iteration, no. But, exactly. but, but ten years, even five years down the line, possibly. But isn't that the dream? The dream is technologically, you know, is that we don't have to carry a device anymore. Yeah. You know? It's implanted in our head or it's something that's just passively there. It's always there. But we don't have to carry something that's, you know, you know, two pounds. God God forbid we have a two pound device in our pocket. Um, or even a pound device in our pocket. That's the dream. The dream is that and Apple's dream is all about is all about technology. Just kind of being there as part of our life. It's not really about the the hardware is nice and the the industrial design is very pretty. But if they could just make things appear in our world without having to give us a headset to put on our head, they would do it. It's all about passive computing, and they call this you know a spatial computer. And they're using those terms spatial computing because it's about where you are in the world. It's about it's about augmenting your reality. You know, it's about helping you and giving you experiences when you want it without having to lift your phone and do it. And that, and that it's cool. It's really cool. It's a really cool experience. I will pay the money for it. I will try it on. I will use it in some way, shape or form because of what I do for a living. But would I go out and buy it in place of a phone? No. Would I go out and buy it in place of a computer? No. So what is the killer feature? Like, what is it? Other than the look and the focus on augmented reality, what is it that makes this stand out? Well, and I don't answer, have the answer. The answer to that is the apps that are developed on it. Right? That is the, that's the next step. It's, it's what developers can do with it. Ultimately, they've built a platform, and it's up to the developers to come up with the answers to that, which they did but, with but iPhone. Think about I mean, this for a second, said though. for the iPhone, right? When it but came think out. about this. Yeah, but think about the iPhone for, exa- for a second, you know? You're already able to do, there's a lot of augmented reality apps where you can hold your camera up to the world Mm. and information pops up in relative to, you know, maps and just information in the world and being able to see buildings from 50 years ago. That exists. It's just a matter of porting it to the headset. And that's great. But are you going to walk down the streets of New York City with this on? Yes. You are? No, not today. No, because especially in New York City, it would be gone from your head in a second. Okay. Are you going to walk through the streets of Glasgow with this on? Definitely not, because it would be ripped from my head in a second. <laughs> if I, any city okay. you go to, the right? The city is abandoned. <laughs> Nobody's around to steal this $3,500 piece of tech for you. You were given this technology, so if you lose it, it makes no difference. Is there any benefit to your daily routine to wear a headset like this? So what? So you can look to the left and you can see a little pin of your Uber approaching? Sorry. Well, it's, it's an interesting, but again, this is a very interesting conversation because, you know, today we're kind of mainstreaming this chat and, and it's hard for me to sit entirely in that camp because I do think about the benefits it could give us. And I think there will be benefits to us that will be slightly different to the ones that you might see. You might see something as gimmicky, right? I'll give you a good example of this. Colin Hughes brought this up yesterday, which was really didn't I did not think about at all until he mentioned this. But he said to us, so they're dropping the word hey from Siri. Correct. And for a lot of people, it's like, yeah, whatever, right? Who cares? Just, just a word that's missing. This is a guy who struggles with breathing. He, he, is a, he feels he is weak with his breath, with his ability to speak. One less word can make a huge difference to him. Absolutely. So this is one example where... Something that is, you know, fairly gimmicky, just seems a bit like a, yeah, whatever, can actually make a real difference. So that's, and, and that's mainly to, to put the point out that there are, and there will be reasons why wearing something like this would make so much sense for someone, even who is totally blind, versus someone who is not blind, who might just think, yeah, the whole thing's just a bit of a gimmick. And yeah, okay, I can but, see a dinosaur march down the street if I want, but, you know, Okay, whatever. but hang on a second, hang on a second. I, I, I totally 
totally respect that opinion, and I think it, everybody's going to have a different approach to it. Yeah. And that's not and to you, do down your experience. It's just, it's well, just no, the, but I, I, think know, just, I know, but you and I have this that. conversation from your perspective, which yeah. is that take the screens away, and this is still incredible tech for someone with low vision or, or who's blind, right? Mm, absolutely. Just give us the audio. But you've also given me the argument, and I wish I had a memory enough to find the clip, that <laughs> there's there's such thing as too much information. Mm, that's right. And when we've had discussions about the white cane before, and the reason the white cane is never going to go away, never going to be replaced by technology, is that it's tactile and it's right there. Yeah. You know, so let's say this existed in an audio form for you, which, by the way, we've had similar things like this, right? Um, you've given me the argument that sometimes it's just too much. Well, yes, absolutely. And, and that is true. But I think that. You know, one thing that I find, and, and Sean, please jump in on this because I think it's, it's interesting. The the perspective I tend to bring to this is, yes, you're right, there can be way too much information. And this is never going to be a replacement for a guide dog or a cane. Absolutely not. This is very much something which is, is going to complement our experience when it comes to mobility, enhance the capability. It is about dulling down the amount of information we get. And, you know, we've talked about this with, with particular apps and experiences. I go back to my point about Microsoft Soundscape, sadly no more, which was an amazing application, which did give you an incredible amount of information. Yeah. But it was the way it delivered it. It was the way it delivered it because it was able to, for example, as you walk down a street with your AirPods in, you could hear that the shop you were looking for, the Apple Store is on the left, and you would hear Apple Store from your left side. So it wasn't telling you it was on the left. It was cutting down on that verbosity by actually putting you in position, telling you where it was. And that is the key to getting this right. And that's why these devices are so good. Lots of us are walking about with things in our ears as blind people to hear our phones, hear our devices. Having the headset, you're absolutely right. I mean, if I could get, and you said this this week as well, Sean, if you could get the, the device with just the cameras and just the AirPods, oh, yeah. that would be fine. I'm going to be on eBay buying anything with a broken screen. <laughs> any yeah, any exactly. Vision Pro, broken, I'll have it for 50 quid. Thank you. That's mine. <laughs> but I think we're... we're you two are looking at the same thing from different perspectives, which is you know absolutely understandable. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. For us, Stephen, it is that getting the information easily when we want it. Because no matter how great an interface is, having to drag out your phone when you're you know want to bring up Ira or be my eyes to find that entrance to a building, um, it gets in the way. And this is the closest we've got to having something permanently well, on your faces, but I was going to say to hand, where you can access information, you can activate it with your voice or a gesture, which is just easier. And it, it just makes it more more fluid and uh, easier to use for us, right? But on the other side of that, when you're talking mainstream, I I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with Mark. Where does this sit? I see this as an entertainment piece of hardware rather than a, a replacement for, you know, your Mac Pro I, I or your see Mac it, Mini. I see it as a giant proof of concept. Yeah. I see yeah, it as a giant proof of concept to augmented reality, to to giving us that, that heads-up display to life. And I think that there are definitely, I don't think they needed to do a proof of concept, but this is just an opportunity to do it. Um, the idea of being able to walk down the street or be at a party and someone's walking up to me and I have no idea who they are. I can't remember where I've known them before. And my glasses just pop up their name and remind me who they are instantaneously. That's cool. Um, the ability to get notifications more than just a vibration on my hand so that I can see visually what that notification is and know whether it's important or not and be able to just kind of ignore it or take action on it without having to take a device up, really cool. Um, do, am I going to sit there and compute with it and use it as a desktop and edit audio and video? Maybe on a plane. Yeah. Maybe on a plane or in, in, in situations. I can definitely see the use case. It's fun. I think it's fun, but it's the same way an iPad has yet to replace my computer mm, because of certain limitations. Yeah. This will never replace the watch in my hand. It'll never replace the phone that gives me access to be able to reply to emails very easily. Like there's so many technologies that are yet to be mature enough to combine into something that's attractive to me yet. Like I still can't with my voice interact 
very easily. Like, there's always going to be mistakes, right? I, I take out my phone and I type and I know I'm typing. I can, I know I can correct it. I know I hit send and I'm good. I still can't do that with my voice. There's still too many mistakes that I still have to pick up the phone and go back and fix it. It's just oh, yeah. not. Hopefully not in 17. Hopefully not in iOS 17. So it's got a transformer it. in it, apparently. And well, it's been interesting. Yeah. I, was, I was actually saw a couple of people who've been commenting on this saying that, and again, in the blind world, this is very common. We use dictation a lot and we do rely on it, but it's not always there for us. And yeah. I've seen a couple of people saying, trying the iOS 17 beta this week, huge improvement. Big, big difference, especially for people with certain accents. And just in not dictation or in, in, in commands. Oh, just in dictation, purely dictation. Yeah, I haven't, you know, I haven't so I've, I've installed iOS 17. I actually, I just finished training my personal voice, by the way. Did you? Wow. Well, well hang on. I got to give a caveat. It's not done yet because it, gen- it takes overnight to generate it, it says. Oh, okay. Really? It was only 15 minutes of audio I had to read to it. <laughs> Damn, I wish I'd, I wish I'd known that yesterday, because I could have used that as the excuse as to why I didn't have uh, it ready. Instead, oh, you could be bothered. bothered. Yeah, which yeah, wasn't exactly. good. Hang on, I'm going to look now. Just, hang on. It's pl- check, to, check the progress bar. Check it has progress. to stay plugged. It has to be plugged in to continue computing. Ah. It's, at, it's at 40%. Oh, we can wait. Wow, okay. All right. And when did you do this? Today. I finished finished, uh, moments before we started the show. Okay, that's interesting. All right, well, we'll see how that gets on. Stick around because we're going to talk more about uh, price. I want to get into the price because I have my views on it, but I'd be interested in yours. I've got a view. It's expensive. Yeah. (laughs) Good night. More on that on Double Tap (laughs) next on AMI Audio. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Okay, let's talk about price of the Apple Vision Pro, because I think this is the area where, this week I've been a little bit dismissive of the price, because a lot of people say, oh, it's really expensive, oh my God, $3,500. It It is a lot of money. Of course it's a lot of money. Tim Cook himself said it's a lot of money in the interview you did with Good Morning America on Tuesday this week. Uh, the interviewer said, you know, come on, $3,500, do you think people will pay this? And she said, you know, do you think this is something the average person will be able to afford? And uh, Cook said, I don't know. (laughs) I think people will make different choices depending upon their current (laughs) financial situation and so forth. But, he says, the engineering and depth of engineering in it is uh, mind-blowing. You get more than a 4K experience in each eye. He continued, and of course, that doesn't come for free. Okay, so here's a question for you guys. And I had this conversation on another show. Um, oh, Apple, another show. Apple has a lot of money. They could have sold this at a loss or at their cost. Yep. And the gaming industry does that. The video game industry does that. The consoles are not. I mean, you buy a console for 500 bucks. That's a full-fledged computer that did not cost them $500 to produce. It cost them more because they know they're going to make the money on the other side. So does this show Apple being a little greedy? Does it show them being a little let's, 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 let's limit the market and make it intentionally limiting? Or are they worried and they're not really sure if they're going to make money on the other side? Yeah, that's an interesting one because Apple have always been a company, let's be honest, that have considered itself premium. Yes, and but over the years, if yeah. you look at the computer lineup, for example, the MacBooks, this has gone and the from Mike Mini, Mini is a good example yeah. of that. The price and the prices right have down. gone from fair from premium mm-hmm. to what I think is the industry norm. You're not getting a PC for eight hundred dollars with full fledged, you know, Intel processor. You're still going to pay a little bit of a premium for it, but you know, a nine 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 entry point on a MacBook Air. With their silicon, which brought not only brought down the price, but in, increased the performance. Like that shows that at least they're not trying to gouge people. They really it's about, well, we were paying all these fees to Intel and all these other people. Now we're doing it ourselves so we can afford to lower the price. And it's getting more people into their products. So do they not want people into this product? Do they want to limit the people into the product? Is it really just a proof of concept? And they just it's like kind of like Google Glass was. Yeah. I think it is a concept. I think as well, you can look at the naming of this by calling it Pro. They know who they're aiming this at. They're not aiming it at, you know, Joe Blow in the street, right? They're aiming it at prosumers, I would say. And they, they know. You've got the hipsters that always want this stuff. It's all about the brand, the design, the newness, bleeding edge technology. Um, it's just but then it goes back to Mark's point, though, doesn't it, Sean? Because, well, what's the sell? Because if it's not... 
an iPad Pro on your face or a Mac Mini on your face, then what is it? And and why would it be valuable? Is it just that you know it's the cool thing to have? So therefore, yes. which seems a little bit, you know, it, that that does seem a little bit ridiculous. Apple have yeah. gone off that for years. That it's the cool thing. But no, I think they are laying the base here. They're laying the foundations for developers. As soon as they get developers on board here, and they see how far they can push it, and we see the apps out there. It's like Mark said, we're waiting for that killer app there's going to be something out there that blows someone away it's interesting that something that doesn't exist already on another headset well that's the thing yeah but all the other headsets all the main focus has largely been on gaming and it's really interesting that they didn't really go into that on here it was about entertainment, but not so much gaming. It was all about experiences, you know, with the Mickey Mouse and the Disney and the watching movies in huge screens. But the gaming feature that they had was about the metal on Mac OS. Yeah. Uh, that's the only gaming they had, whereas all the other devices are heavily, this is gaming. Oh, and also you can conference call on it, which no one wants to do, I don't think, virtual conference calls. So... I, Nobody I, wants I, to do conference call. I saw someone saying, "Who puts their camera on in a meeting anymore?" Here's the thing: <laughs> the, the, this is right. the use cases. This is the use cases they show on their website. Okay, and I'm going to go through it. Okay, welcome to the aerospatial computing. So you see someone reading the new the, the Los Angeles Times. Okay, then you see somebody watching a movie. Okay, two hour battery life. I mean, your movies are going to be limited to Disney. <laughs> I guess Lord of the Rings is out. Yeah, Disney. Short guess, watch, right? There's a short watch category on Netflix. That might be yeah, useful. Exactly. <laughs> um, then you see someone. Oh, free your desktop and your apps will follow. So you have someone watching a magazine, doing a PowerPoint presentation. Your your apps will live in space. Back to the movie theater again. Immersive entertainment. Be in the moment with your memories and your pictures. Kind of creepy. Can you imagine someone <laughs> at a birthday party wearing a headset going smile? Mm. My weird eyes. Um, <laughs> Did you see someone in their bedroom on a FaceTime call with a presentation, sharing a presentation? Nothing here hasn't already been done by Meta. Well, I want to get to that in a second, but just before I do, I want to just put this out there. I am not convinced that the price when this launches will be three and a half thousand dollars. Me neither. I'm not convinced about that because I, really? I think it'll be. I don't. I, I there was a rumor of three. Then there was a rumor of fifteen hundred. So I think it's going to be in there somewhere. Maybe two. Maybe even three. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I think, and they may even bring out a different version, which has you know because it's interesting they brought out Pro. They hit you with Pro, and I thought, are they going to do this the, the opposite way they've done every other device, where they're going to start with the Pro and work backwards from this Vision Mini, Vini, Vision one. SE <laughs> for small heads. Yeah, <laughs> it's head size dependent. Like for a, a dog, for a chihuahua, for example, it'll cost you, you know, 700 bucks. Um, but no, I, I don't know. I think there's something, I, I think that price is not going to be what we see. And I think that might be where we go, oh, wow. And then suddenly we all just jump and buy it and we spend $3,000 well, instead again, of Again, though, looking at the different perspectives, looking at the same thing, Mark's saying it's really expensive. And we're saying that's a bargain, right? When compared to the other similar products in this category for us. Well, and yeah, but hang on, they're not, but, and, and again, the point though is it's not the same category because these are individual devices that do specific things. Yes. So you can't sit and watch a movie on them. Well, maybe on eSight you can actually, um, but you know you you can do some. I mean, eSight is probably the closest to this for us. I would say so. Yes, with the but that's three vision eight thousand seven hundred and fifty. I keep getting this wrong. Eight. Yes, that's right. Eight. I can't do. <laughs> Doesn't matter at that point. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't it's, got matter. Eight, it's got an eight and then three digits follow. Who cares, right? But I mean, that's you could get two Apple Pro Visions for that. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Crazy well, money, right? So when you look at it yourself. from that perspective, things do get a little bit more interesting. But again, the only thing, of course, with this is the apps have to be on the device in the first place. We know eSight can do it. Can that be ported over to this headset? And I think that's where these companies are going to be smart. If they're smart enough, they'll be figuring this out today, thinking, right, we need to get the eSight app onto this headset so that mm -hmm. we can... You know, and, you know, what's going to happen there? They're going to create a subscription model for that application so yeah. they can fund further development, and that's how they'll make the money. And maybe that's a smarter move than trying to build the, their own hardware, right? But anyway, that, that aside... I want to talk about these other headsets because, again, we touched on this a bit with Colin yesterday, but I want to get your take on this because you've tried out the MetaQuest Pro, which I guess is the equivalent to this. Closest thing, yeah. $2,000 $2, cheaper as well. Um, you had this 
Tell us your experience of that and your sort of first impressions compared to what you saw with, with the presentation of Vision Pro. Very similar. Very similar. Not in design, obviously. The industrial design is something that, you know, Apple will always ex- excel at. There's no doubt there. Um, it was comfortable on my head. Um, I was able to see through the glass. There was camera pass through the, the, the resolution wasn't the best in the world. You know, definitely something that I know a lot of people are saying about the vision pros that the resolution is just insane, insanely great. And it feels so natural when you're looking through, like as if you're just in the world, the meta quest pro was a little bit more digital in terms of what you're seeing through it. But the applications were the same in terms of using your desktop on the bigger screen, um, Going into Teams meetings and seeing avatars and even visuals of people. I remember doing a demo on it on uh, an AMI in the morning with now with Dave Brown. And I remember I did this demo. I was wearing the headset and I looked to the left and Steven was on a screen. Yes, in right, Microsoft yeah. Teams. He was just sitting there. You know, eating so probably. a lot of the no, you didn't know you. <laughs> we planned this so we didn't catch you off guard. Oh, right. um, but it was uh, it was a great experience. It was cool. It was really cool. It was cutting edge. That's why I got it, and that's why I played with it. And uh, it had all the killer features and everything other than the elevated specs in terms of the visuals and the performance, even though I didn't really notice the performance that, that the App Vision Pro brings to the table. So experience, I think, is very similar. That's why, you know, I look at this saying, okay, that's great, but I can get all this stuff on on the Quest Pro, and they're going to incre- improve the quality. They're going to get better quality screens. They're going to, you know, look at this and say, okay, this is what we need to do to up our game. But they also have kind of like when Amazon came out before anybody else with all these skills, and nobody has yet to catch up to them. Google's still not playing a really a role in that in that ecosystem and in, in the echo of the personal assistants. Apple's definitely not. No, you know. Because Amazon was there first, and they gave people the opportunity to build stuff on it and go it. Meta was there first, and and they did. Apple, the benefit Apple has here is that they have such loyal developers who are in their ecosystem and already building stuff for everything else. And knowing Apple, the way they make it just easy to build for their other platforms just makes it unnatural. If every if if fifty percent of the developers out there, you know, take the fifteen twenty minutes they're going to need to do to port their apps, then Apple's won. You know, they've won the game because of the amount of people there. But, you know, the Quest Pro was uh, was impressive as well. And as uncomfortable in the head, I'm sure, after after an hour of wear. Um, yeah, it's just, um, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting to me. I have a question for you. You ready for it? We're waiting with bated breath. Okay. Go on, Mark. Um, Stephen, you sent me a video yesterday about uh, accessibility on, on the Vision Pro. and they seem to be designing the operating system for this from the ground up with accessibility in mind, which is phenomenal in the way it should be done. Have we seen any indications of what happens to some of the other features, these other great features like eye tracking when voiceover is on? Because, you know, when you're not wearing your glasses, your eyes are jittering left and right. And this thing is trying to use your eyes to control the interface. So when you turn voiceover on and you're trying to control it, maybe with your hands or is it still trying to use your eyes to track? Is it, there's a lot of questions in that space to figure out how it's going to be able to accommodate every single variation of individual needs. There is, but we can take some inference from, you know, how it works now, like for face ID on the iPhone, um, the attention feature, now, when you turn voiceover on, that is off. So you don't need to be looking or it doesn't have to detect your eyes. Okay. When you're looking at the screen for certain things, it will screen lock or dim the screen when you're, um, you know, when you're looking at it. So I would assume that when it comes to eye tracking on the Vision Pro, that it would be the same. If you're using voiceover, obviously you've got different gestures, pinching with different fingers will move you left or right through the items on the well, on the screen is that even the right phrase now? Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think that will be totally different. And as I said, and as you said, actually, because of the similarity in the ecosystem between devices, um, I think it it will just. I'm going to say it. It will just work. You can use head tracking. You don't need to um, use fingers. Um, it can you can track using your wrist. 
Um, so there's so many different ways to actually navigate through the items, which is all basically we care about when we're using voiceover. Um, I don't think eye tracking is going to be a real issue at all. Well, I hope not. No, well, Otherwise, it's not, but you've, you've got three input methods, really, haven't you? You've got the physical with your hands, uh, you've got your eyes, and you've also got touch. You could actually use a, a physical device, like a, a Bluetooth keyboard or something. So, you know, there's lots of ways to input. And you can either use multitude of those or use them independently, which is kind of cool. That's where the accessibility part comes in. You can kind of choose your way of using it. I want a Siri avatar in front of me every time I summon her up. I'm just wondering, does that make the, the beach ball, does that make it in 3D as well? <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Because <laughs> if the Siri ball is going to be in 3D, I want the beach ball to be in 3D as well. Uh, okay, here's a question. Right? Let's imagine this is hugely popular. Everyone buys one, which I think is probably likely to be. I think they'll sell as many as they make, personally. Um, but, you know, let's say this is really popular and it takes off. Zoom forward five years. What industries are left... <laughs> right. Think about. I'm, I'm thinking about the what technology will this particular iteration of technology and this category of technology kill off? Television, movie theaters. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say, you think I, it'll kill off? Well, it'll start to die down if we all move towards this method of computing. Because if this is the future, and okay, and we're looking at it from this perspective and saying, well, no, no one's going to walk around with this on their heads. Zoom forward five years, even 10 years when this technology is small enough and is like a pair of glasses or closer to it, or we just get used to a slightly larger pair of glasses on our face that has all this technology inside it. Yeah, I think that the technology like a television, a decent sound system, a separate, you know, sound bar, all that will disappear. No, I don't think so. No? No. I think that, you know, just like a movie theater um, didn't disappear after COVID. Um, I think that there's there's that experience, regardless of ability, regardless of disability. There's that experience of going out, being amongst other aspect. people, yeah. the social oh. aspect of it, the giant Ooh. screen in front of you, the big sound um, that, yes, anybody can emulate now at home. Anybody can do it. But they have it and they choose not to. And there's a reason that still exists because there is that that social element of it. Uh, televisions, I think there's definitely use cases for it. Like, you know, I'd love to be able to throw some, throw my glasses on and watch something else than someone else is in the room watching at the same time. But I could also just go to the other room in my house and watch it if I want to. Well, that's I think that's or my the phone problem. with the headphones. That is the problem at the moment, isn't it? Because it's the isolation part. And I know that they talk a lot about, you know, this is about bringing people together. And of course, you can do that because you can see through the device. So it's not a case of you're sitting isolated on your own. But you kind of are if you're watching content. Unless, you know, SharePlay just becomes a thing that we all just wear the headset. And then from your particular vantage point, you all watch you're the watching virtual the screen, screen on the wall. Yeah. You know. It still feels weird, though, right? I mean, all of you sat behind sheets of glass. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of, it still feels weird from a sitting around watching something to be sort of singling yourself out like that. It is a strange one, but I think you know who can tell. Like you say, in five years, this could be the norm. You know, who knows? You see, this, this always seems to reverse itself back. So you end up creating something like this, and then they reverse it. So what we'll get actually in maybe ten years is the Apple Wall, which will just be a big sheet of glass you put on the wall, and that is. You know, everything there for the communal aspect <gasps> of it. Exclusive there from Stephen Scott. Apple Wall. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Apple really, Pro, I mean, to be fair. But hang on a second. I mean, this augmented reality thing really is about just putting things in your space, right? Yeah. If you didn't need to put a pair of glasses on and think about the number of people with different prescriptions and the fact that this requires a third party lens from Zeiss. And what if your prescription changes mm. every year? What if you're like, I mean, this is becoming really expensive. Yeah. You know? But that ability to just put a hologram up, forget about a glass wall, but just some kind of hologram projector that can project into your space and you can control things like that. You don't need the TV. You don't need the sound. But I mean, it's all just projectors in your ceiling somewhere and, and can track you at the same time. That's the future here, people. Jeez. Isn't that the point, though, that we're talking like this? this? This hardware we've got now is making us think of holograms and wall size. Oh, no, I thought about TVs. these before. Oh. <laughs> 
I, I mean, I, I think back. You know, I, I hate to bring this always back to a Marvel movie, but I think back to one of the <laughs> one of the Avengers movies where they're sitting at Avengers headquarters, and uh, Tony Stark takes out his you know transparent phone, which is just a slab of glass. He hits a button, and it's projecting upwards a three D image of yeah. a video playing. Mm. You know, how far are we from that? You know, being able to just put our phone down, you know, the phone that we all carry, no, doesn't matter about prescriptions, no prescription, sunglasses, whatever. You just pop it down the table, hit a button, and it projects up an image right over it. What was your initial reaction, Mark, when you were watching the announcement of the first iPhone? When you first saw that announcement by Steve Jobs, what was your first thoughts? Uh, other than shivers <laughs> mm. down my spine, which I, I still get um, when I watch that. What was my reaction? My reaction was... This is going to change the world. And did that feeling come back when you saw this? No. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, I find I that did, interesting. I did sort of get that feeling. This, so this is a change. This but there's is a, a reason shift. why. And the reason is not because of the, the, um, the, the level of product that this is or this, the significance of this product. I think we're in a different time. This is in 2007 where we had very, very small mutters of what was coming. This is 2023 where everybody for the past five years have been talking about this. And, also we've, like, and we've seen other iterations. To exactly. Some other people yeah, are doing similar true. things. This is not, this is not a brand new, it, just like the Apple Watch was not a brand new category. There were still smartwatches. There were fitness trackers, um, you know, the iPad, the iPad was maybe the, the, you know, similar to the iPhone. The iPad was a, a big one for me because, you know, you, you think about watching Star Trek and the fact that they were handing these little tablets to people to, you know, to Captain Picard to kind of read all the stuff going on. And everybody's like, oh, that's so cool. That's never going to happen. Well, it started happening with e-readers and then eventually became this just mm. slab of glasses in your hands. That, 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 that was cool. This, no, there's not yet. If this were, if this were. What you we all talked about, you know, thirty minutes ago, that Ray Ban pair of glasses you just throw on and the world is in front of you. That would have been like, Oh my God. Mm. How do they do that? How do they get that technology in there? And that technology, by the way, is probably five years away. I agree. Because we're constantly minimizing the size of processors. Batteries are getting more powerful and new technologies coming out. Um Augmented reality glasses in this form do exist. There's a company called Enreal that's doing something. There's Magic Leap. Um, there's companies that are doing it for similar price points, by the way, and still tethered, but are way smaller. Um, not Apple, again, not Apple's ecosystem, not Apple's anything behind it, but there are companies doing it. So I think we are we are closer than we imagine. And Apple really had no choice but to put something out into the world to show that they're still on the cutting edge and, and, and they don't have anything else to do with. What? Why is it always Apple? Why is it always Apple that have to, not that they have to come out with the product, but when they do come out with the product, people pay attention. I think it's because of the bar that Steve Jobs set. It's the, it's the bar that he set many, many, many years ago in the charisma and the the fanboyisms and the Apple versus the you know, Mac versus PC, all that marketing, all that stuff is paying off in 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 spades now. And you know, it's it's cool to own a Mac. It's cool in the workspace now. It's acceptable. People can do what they want. There are more creatives in the world. There's more social media. People are talking about all these things more and more and more. And Apple still is, regardless of how much better PCs might be out there, you know, there's still that aura of you can't touch us. We're still premium and they live and breathe that way. You know, everything from us not being at a keynote, you know, I look at, I look at the people invited to some of these events sometimes and like, how, what's the significance of that person who has 500 followers on YouTube being at an event like that? You know, they're so meticulous in the way they treat or don't treat people. And, mm this this era of importance they really have created it for themselves and they and they maintain it pretty well it has gone down it has gone down several notches since steve jobs died and johnny ivy left and and, yeah, and you know there's definitely a lot of things and a lot of people saying oh this wouldn't have happened if steve jobs were around you don't you don't know 
Well, I, I will say I, I did laugh at the that someone had put a picture up of the internal of the Mac Pro, saying you know the, the yeah. Apple logo being on its side would never have happened under Steve Jobs on the processor inside the device. It would have been you know up the right way, uh, you know. So <laughs> yeah. there's those kind of things. But Don't you know, really get me started with that device. <laughs> no, no, we're not, not going to touch that today. I don't think we'll, we have time. We'll do that another day. But it was interesting to note that uh, Walter Isaacson, who was Steve Jobs' biographer. Yeah. Uh, said that Steve would have liked this product. And uh, who knows if that's true or not, right? But, you know, Walter was probably closer to him in a lot of ways because of, of the work he did with them. Would have liked this product. Mm. Yeah. Would he have mm. liked it, I wonder, is the question. Um, who I knows? Don't know. I don't know. But it's a very interesting category for sure. We haven't even touched on AI, which, in fairness, neither did Apple. Machine um, learning. Machine don't learning say is the AI known. word. No, don't, it's not AI in <laughs> Apple. It's machine learning. It's all about the ML. Um, yeah, well, we will, I'm sure, get into this in, in more detail as more products start to Can come Can I come out. back and talk about that? Because I'm so annoyed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course. You're always welcome back here. Uh, but listen, uh, that is it for today. Uh, I think this has been an incredible week in some ways, uh, even though it may not have been to everyone's expectation or met everyone's expectation. I think it certainly is a very interesting new product category, which is why we've given it the time we have this week on the show. Tomorrow on The Express, we'll round up all of this news and we'll also keep you up to date with all of the other news because, yes, there was actually other news stories this week, Sean. Was there? Yes. Are you sure? Other news exists. Okay. And we will get into that tomorrow. Grace Schofield joins us to round up the week's news in other tech news (laughs) i think we have to rename it uh that coming up on tomorrow's show mark you can always catch on your tech report which is on sirius xm and on podcast as well well worth checking that out it's a great show and also double tap tv which is equally brilliant uh with mark and i every tuesday 8 p.m eastern on ami tv join us for that that is it for us this week though the express is back tomorrow and sean and i are back on monday sean have a great weekend You too. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Mark. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.